multitudinously uh, uh, manifested in a people. That's why it's, it frustrates me about, you know, ecclesia gathering. I mean, people just think, well, do, 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 well I'm, do, I'm part of the body of Christ. No, you're not. You can't be. It's not uh, some ethereal thing that's floating around. It is a people who are one and minister to one another and help one another and give life to one another and build faith to one another. The very essence of the meaning of Yahweh is I will be all, I am who I am, you know, is really I will be in whom I will be. So we have a people who are of the same nature, which is the nature, and, and that nature is somebody that uh, everybody you can see, they, they act the same, they have the same judgment, they have the same mind, they believe the same, they react the same. It's that same God way. And at that time, sin and death was going to be taken out of the way, and the whole human race is going to be completely cleansed. Y'all remember I preached on uh, racial cleansing? The whole human race is going to be clean, cleansed, and man and the earth is going to be restored to Yahweh's original purpose, and that is man and the earth being uh, dominant, ruling and reigning, just like Adam, who failed. I want to remind us, I always remind myself, okay, what's going to happen? What's happening in the future? What, what, what is this all about, really? Because we can lose sight in the middle of a cultural and a, a, especially the, an information world. We lose sight of things, and we, we, we say, okay, we want to do this. Next week, we want to do that. Next week, we're going to do that. I'm into this now. I'm into that. Looking for something that uh, really can't satisfy, but it can, it can detour you for sometimes, as I say, 25 to life. The fact is, we are who we are. We believe what we believe, and we do what we do for this reason. Number one is because of, of, of the sin nature. But it's what our perception is, is based on the result of a life of programming from our parents, our teachers, our employers, our society, our culture, our media, the marketing world. Let me tell you this. It is somebody in authority. Someone that you submit to or look to for an example to be. So we have this whole world, and it's always been this way. This, is, this isn't something uh, new. I mean, the fact of the matter is, there is a lie in America, and really with the whole human race, that somehow, I mean, from Madison Avenue and, and uh, commercials on TV and all these things that are doing nothing but manipulating us to drain us of our life and our goods, and our thoughts, and our commitments, and our money especially. And they have sold us this, this bill of goods that says this, that something externally can heal you and satisfy you internally. That's what they tell you. You do this right here, you're going to feel good. You do this right here, you're going to, have, you're going to do this. You're going to, it, they think, and they've taught us to really believe it. That's why we spend all, the majority of our time and, and resources on external things when, we're, when we say we're Christians and we don't comparatively spend any time on internal things. We spend time, as I preached the last week or so, on what we see and what, instead of what we can't see. If you, if you invest in what you can see, you're building your house on the sand. And I like to tell people this. It'll be the same set, sand that you're burying your head in is what you build your house upon. And I told you this last week. Everything that you see is temporal. It has an expiration date. Everything you see, nothing has any ability for eternal or longevity past its expiration date. In other words... 
We're the product of who and what everybody else has basically told us to be and to believe and to do. We are what somebody else has told us who to be, what to believe, and what to do. That's what we do. All of that input of, from a whole lifetime has been learned and un, has been learned, number one. It's been learned consciously, and it's also been unconsciously assimilated. You know, they, they use, they use uh, what's, what's the word? Subliminal messages in advertising all the time that you can't pick up on the natural, but your brain picks it up. It'll be just a little flash of something. And to manipulate. I heard that uh, there used to be a, a, a service called Muzak. Y'all remember that? For the internet, Muzak is what the music that you would hear in a restaurant or in a, a, a retail store. It's called Muzak. It was a company. And they had all kind of different psychological ways of manipulating people to get them to buy more. It's like this. It'd be seeming like the love boat by that pocketbook. You know, bye bye. It would give you these subliminal messages that would, you know, cause us to act on things that were assimilated unconsciously. All of those things that we either have learned or assimilated unconsciously is what has become and what is our own inner voice, our internal dialogue. That tells us how we should be and what we should believe and what we should do. And it is that which is the voice of what's really in the core of a person. And I'm going to tell you, that thing is fierce and that thing is commanding and it is intimidating. So I went on a journey to find the authentic me. I heard the, I heard the word authentic, the authentic me. You know, I'm going to be me. I don't care what I'm going to be me. And guess what? I found out that the authentic me wasn't really even me after all. It was all these other people that I was copying and imitating, trying to find the, the, the authentic me. But I believe the core of me was developed by a series of, of people who somehow got my ear and influenced me. If I was born in, let's say, uh, maybe Turkey, well, anywhere in the Middle East pretty much, I would be praising Allah right now probably. Why? Because of the influence of information and those that were in authority to me built a belief system in my core. So the authentic me, I found out, wasn't even me. I found out that the authentic me was a liar. I found out that the Bible says that the authentic me was deceptive and wicked. And that in its wake, there's a lot of noise in my brain of self-judgment and judgment of others. When I see people that are always critical of somebody else, I'm going to tell you what, they have something in them that's judging them all the time. And it happens, that internal voice happens real time. How many know that's true? It happens right there, right in the middle of real time. That thing will talk to you. We talk back to it. I can assure you this. I can tell you this by experience. I believe it's the truth, but not just my experience, but I've experienced this. There's a huge mismatch of this powerful unconscious brain core authentic me versus conscious me <laughs> I, I am no match for that thing it'll rule me it'll keep me up at night it'll make me i mean it'll put me in a mood it'll depress me it will y'all hear me i know i'm in i know i'm with humans i can preach this anywhere in the world and it works because what i'm telling you today is the truth this ain't just me and those of you that are thinking, watching me, saying, I don't know who he thinks he is. I'm, I'm talking about you right now. You just proved it. <laughs> judging me, you know, you got that thing judging you. I get it. It's an endless war. And it will wear, your, wear you out and wear you down. 
So what most people do, I believe, is they try to overcome this babbling chatter. And what we do, we start imitating some other person or group of people that we think is cool and successful. And if we can act like and dress like and be like in our mind them, then it try, we think it's going to give us some relief. But we are too stupid to real, not to real. We're too stupid because we don't realize they're like they are because of the same reason you're trying to be like them. Other ways people try to get rid of that is the accumulation of material things, maybe ambition, maybe fame, maybe, well, maybe we can go on, or, or by the use of alcohol or drugs or sex. All of those things, which are certainly not authentic. There's nothing that I have seen a person do to resolve this problem, even reading a Bible chapter a day. I've, seen, I've not met anybody in my lifetime that really has resolved the problem with true authenticity. Something that was from the author, the creator. That's authentic. And I don't believe that anything I mentioned and those things that we look for are no match for pulling down this stronghold. We talk about a stronghold, man. This thing is wicked, deceiving, powerful, intensive, like I said, intimidating. Today, I want you to consider something. You know, some people have an impression of me that, that I'm pastoring this big old church here. And I got money and I got people and I'm just, you know, uh, you're, you're wrong. But I'll tell you what I do have. I believe I got the truth that will set people free. I do have that. I had to get delivered from the love of the, the worship of big because somebody put that God and that idolatry in my mind. And I've, been, I've tried to live up to that for, oh, for years and years and years. Frustrating, man. You can't even enjoy the blessing of God in your life because you ain't lived up to something that ain't even true that people are preaching and want you to achieve to. I'm going to tell you, I've already said this. The mole will never fly like the eagle. So I quit. I just started buying me some, some mole clothes and mole stuff. It was the best mole. I quit trying to buy eagle stuff and became the best mole I could be, so to speak. You know, sometimes God speaks to me about things and I, I find out they're, they're real things. There's two things he spoke to me this week. And I Googled it to find out, and I said, you know, that's a real thing. It's not what God's showing me, but it's a real thing. There's a thing called self-realization. And it, what self-realization is, I mean, it's used in Buddhism, Hinduism, the Western culture uses it. I mean, we got all these things. That, and this, but this is basically what it is. It's peeling away fabricated layers of one's own personality to understand the true self and hence the true nature of reality. I said, I didn't know they called it that. For me, I called it peeling my onion. It's great. And I think peeling our onion works. But the problem is, when you get to the core, it's rotten. So I, peel my, I peel my onion. That is not what self-realization means to me. I mean, that's a philosophy. I mean, there's like a Buddhism. Have, Buddhists have uh, three steps to self-realization. I mean, I, uh, Hindus have, you know, they, they got so many gods, I can't, I can't keep up with it. But I can become a Brahmin through self-realization in one of the Hindu religions. Sounds like a cow to me. So thinking that we, that Johnny, can know the truth outside of Yahweh is self-realization to me. So how, how am I going to expose this impersonator? How am I going to be able to expose this rotten part of me that I think is, is really what develops or motivates me to do everything? And the thing is, I even got a real, real spiritual one. I got a religious one. I got one that knows the scriptures. And I can even use scriptures to justify what I want. Oh, I can do it. So I had to stop conforming myself 
and realize that the standards and this culture of the world is wrong. But I wanted it. You don't. I began to ask Yahweh. And I began to let him, by his spirit word, transform the authentic me. By a complete uprooting and destroying of this carnal mind and replacing it with the mind of Christ. And as I asked him and sought after that and struggled and fought and battled day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, a continuous battle, he began to help me. Praise his name. Praise y'all. Hallelujah, right? I began to see what the authentic will of God is and the authentic, his authentic purpose for my life and his authentic reason of why I was created. So I had to ask myself, okay, so my authentic self is who I really am deep down. That's me down there. And that part of me that doesn't care what others think, that's what I was after. People used to think, you don't care what nobody thinks. Well, when you, when you think, when you care about somebody's thinks, sometimes your knee-jerk reaction is you go overboard by acting like you don't care what they think. Am I talking to anybody? Huh? I really care what you think, but guess what? I don't care what you think. Some of you will understand that. So I read that authenticity happens when my words and my actions and my behaviors consistently match my core identity. And I already knew my authentic self. You know why? Because I was acting on what was really down in here. And let me tell you what the Bible says. Here's the problem with it. This is what I found. According to the Holy Scriptures, this is what I found about the authentic Johnny. Are you ready? Are you ready? And I hope you put your name in there because I assure you that very kindly and sweetly and gently, I just want to tell you very sweetly that people who are 20... 29 years old and below are the stupidest generation I've ever seen. And they're the softest generation emotionally. Anybody say amen to me? <laughs> Everybody 30 say, yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I know that alienate me. I don't think so. You'll see what I'm talking about. Pretty, I mean, I was probably stupid in the 30s. I don't know. This is what I found out. And I wasn't in my 20s then, guys. I tell you what, I was, I was like, I mean, it was like last week. <laughs> I was lost, I was blind, I was sinful, I was guilty, I was enslaved, I was morally ruined, I was dying, I was estranged from Yahweh, I was totally depraved, I was corrupted by sin in every area of my life, in my mind, my emotions, I will. The authentic, the authentic Johnny thinks sinfully, he feels sinfully, and he chooses sinfully. And I naturally love darkness, and I do not understand the things of Almighty God. That's the authentic Johnny. I wasn't willing to seek God or his will. And the authentic me was really hostile toward God. And y'all hang on with me. You may think I'm saying something I'm not saying, so hang on. I've heard this, and I used, I've used this before. I'll be true to myself. I've been hurt before. I've been, I, people left me, or people abandoned me, or people said this, or people did this, or they didn't do this, or they didn't do that. I, to thine own self be true. I found out is a mantra of utter ignorance because self does not and cannot know the truth, especially in the area concerning itself. Hello, are y'all with me today? I'm, I'm going to be true to myself. You can't be. You're a liar, especially when it comes to you. Can I take the back? I'm a liar, especially when it comes to me. But that's an example that hopefully I'm talking about you too. 
And I knew this, and I preached it, and all that. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. But I continued to try to improve what Yahweh says has to die. I, wanted, I was going to be real. You ever going to be real? I can tell you one thing. I'm real. I'm real. I'm going to be real, Johnny. I'm real. Yeah, I'm real, too. I'm real. That's what I get. I'm real. You know, the, uh, the authentic self will only, will only just give you the permission to be real. That's all he can do. What? Real selfish, real sinful, real drunk, real backslidden, real unforgiving, real hateful, real stupid, real lonely. Don't keep to go on. You can be real, all right, but that's the only real, the real you and understand. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible requires, requires, requires us to crucify the authentic self. We have to die daily to it and bury it at funeral services every day at my house. The authentic self is really the old creation. And we must become a new creation. So now where I'm at with me is I reject the authentic me. I don't trust him. I think he's a liar. I think he's stupid. He's stupid. He thinks he can deceive people and things. And, and, he, and today... I embrace the Christ in me. That's my hope of glory. So that, that portion of the human personality that's experienced as the self or the I, I'm giving you a definition for the word ego. The portion, that portion of the human personality which is experienced as the self or I and is in contact with the external world through, through perception. Now, I don't, I don't adhere to the teachings of Freud but I like to use their terminology and people like that, id, superego, ego. You know, I study about all that stuff. Found out that it ain't nothing but his ego that was talking about it, ego. <laughs> so here, here, here we are. It's the part of us, me, myself, I, the great trinity of authenticity. And it's, it's in contact. It, it, the only way it makes contact through, with the external world is through perception, not reality. Perception, not reality. Perception is everything. That's the definition of what many refer to as an ego, but the Bible calls it something different. It calls it the carnal mind. We don't see things as they truly are. We see it through our perception that was formed in us and reminded and, and teaches us through our internal dialogue or that inner voice that was formed by a bunch of things in our previous life, in, in, uh, uh, in our lifetime and over a period in our lifetime. That ego is the source of anxiety about the future. It is also the same, it applies the same in our past. I, I know... I know that it is a problem among people who are supposed to be spirit-filled believers who have fear of the future. Now, they say, I don't have any fear of the future, but they, they panic. They have anxiety. They don't know what to do. They'll do this, move this, go there. They, 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 there's no solid solidity and, and stability in their life. And then, of course, in the past, that ego, that it, it tries to keep us trapped there in the past, rehashing old hurts and Perceived mistakes and old regrets. And we, we, it keeps us there in that bondage. It will separate us from the moment. And the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. So my salvation is, 
is in relationship to today and now. It also will thrive on separating us from others who share the moment with us. We can be so concerned about the past and all that, we forget about the people that are still here. We're in our life at the moment, what we're doing now. And we allow, you know, I told you this before. I said, one of the things I, I don't like to do is people that have hurt me in the past or whatever it may be, disappointed me. I'm not going to let that prevent me from loving people now. I'm not going to do it. But this ego, this, this authentic self, this, this carnal mind will separate us from the moment and it will keep us from and neglect, keep us and cause us to neglect the assembling together of the body of Christ. We have all these reasons why we can't assemble. But let me tell you this. When we do that, I preached on this about a couple of months ago. might have been 10 years ago. I don't remember. About impeding our brothers and sisters in our development and growth. When we don't assemble together, we don't have that mindset. It, we intentionally and maliciously are impeding and blocking the prayer that Yahshua prayed. And that is to make them one as you and I are one. And I believe the number one cause of why your and my prayers are not answered is because we refuse to answer his prayer. And so therefore, guess what? He ain't going to answer yours. Hello. I don't know why God don't answer my prayer. Because you want, he has one, one prayer. I mean, it's like one prayer in the whole Bible that Yahshua asked for. That we would be one. 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 This is what Yahweh told me. See, the purpose for your life and the plan of your life, this is it, okay? People want to talk about you're going to get your destiny. You're going to arrive at your destiny. There's only one destiny in the Bible. And that is we have been predestined. We have been predestined to be conformed into the image of Yahweh's Son. There's your destiny. Anything else is just peripheral stuff. Well, am I going to be a doctor? I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to work here. I'm going to go to college there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy that. That's that's got nothing to do with your destiny. There's only one spiritual destiny, and that is God has predestined you to become like His Son. Do you hear me? And Yahweh said, If, Johnny, if you continue to become your ego, you're never going to fulfill your destiny. I wish some of you will write that down and just pray over that maybe. Anything else that I am becoming is idolatry. Who you are becoming is your God. I don't care where you go to church. And I don't care who your daddy is. Who you are becoming, that's what is worshiping in spirit and truth. We behold him, we become like him, and when he returns, we will know him because we will see him and because we'll be just like him. Do you understand? That's worship. You know, I always say this, worship ain't just slow music with the light, slow singing, repetitious lyrics. If that's the case, we've had it. we hadn't worshiped it all here because the lights can't get low. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the thing. When you become your ego, let me put it in my terminology. When you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, your flesh. Now, I'm gonna, I did this joke last week, and nobody laughed at it. I'm gonna, I tried it again. I'll tell you why I did it wrong, because I said it wrong. I said Kenyan instead of Nigerian, because it's the Nigerians that write those letters, and, you know, y'all know about it. I mean, everybody knows about it, I guess. So here, I'm going to try it again. Your flesh will steal from you like a Nigerian prince writing love letters to a lonely, rich widow. See, nobody laughed again. Lil, you told me you laughed. You did, you did last week, it ain't funny this week. 
Oh, yeah, Wednesday night you laughed. Yeah, we laughed. Okay. He laughed at me, not with me. I just think that's, that's a perfect saying. When I, get, when, I, when I thought of that, I was like, I started laughing at myself. I was like, oh, man, that's so good. Because I, I've watched Dr. Phil where these women are so stupid. Have you ever seen them? I hope nobody, none of y'all are doing it. It is so stupid. Have you ever seen it before? Have you all seen them? Yeah. Uh, how much are you giving? Uh, $372,000. Have you ever seen him? No. But we're in love. We're in love. I believe it's that level of stupidity and deception that we let the things of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life just rob us of all of our resources. All right. That's the introduction to this message. I'm going to finish now. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. I've been meditating, maybe from last week, but I think mainly this week I've had this question. And that is, what was Adam and Eve's sin? Is it really just an apple or whatever? You know, we, the apple's just representative of that tree. And, and it said this, lest they become as gods. Remember that? I mean, what does that really mean? Well, I believe it's like the Elohim, and I go through all that. I don't want to do that this morning. But I went downstairs yesterday to my wife. I'm like, oh, this is, this is so big to me. This is so fulfilling to me. And it's because it's a revelation to me that may be beyond what I can even say today. And I want to share it with you. And it's my, my probably been said and preached and books written about it and libraries are full of it. But this was something really that really spoke to me. Romans 5 says this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. You got that? Adam sinned, and death entered the world. And so death passed upon all men, for all men, for, excuse me, passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, I got to thinking about this. I can't find anywhere, really, in the Bible that says God punished the human race for one man's sin. I was like, help me, because I know I need help. But the reason that God punished the human race is because of Adam and Eve's claim to their right to their self. So I'm like, oh, okay. My claim to my right to myself is what entered the human race through Adam and Eve. My claim to myself. My right to myself. And what another man did it took on him the sign of the human race, the sin of the human race, and put it away by choosing what? Not to claim his right to his self. Am I saying that clear? Adam said, I claim the right to my own life. Yahshua said, my life is not my own. Oh, hear me. Why did sin get passed down? What got passed down to us? The way that Yahshua put it away is by choosing not to be his own God. Hebrews 9.26. I mean, this is an infinitely more profound revelation to me than just this guy saying we all got sin. What was the sin? He ate an apple? What really happened here? What does this really boil down to? Most of the time, we people focus on, on uh, morality versus immorality. Doing right versus doing wrong. And I want you to hear me today. I've got a lot of teaching that it supports the basis of what I'm going to say here. So I don't want you to get, go crazy on some new thing. We're saying a new thing. It's just adding to and it's getting clarification for us. Disposition or the nature or the character or the constitution of what sin is, is not immorality and wrongdoing. 
Now those things are sin, but I'm saying what the, the constitution of sin, what, what is sin really? What is sin really? Okay, they ate the apple. That was a sin. But that, ain't, that wasn't the root of that sin. What caused that man to, in the garden, in that situation, disobey God? Well, the fact is, he did not disobey God. Because he and Eve determined that they were their own God. And that's what Yahweh was saying about self-realization. It was like out of that choice of of self, that me, that down here, that authentic man, I, I'm my authentic guy down here. I'm going to be, I'm going to decide, I'm going to do, I'm going to make my decisions. I'm going to, I know, I know, I know, I know. But the, I'm just saying, really, no, I'm my own God. Now, that disposition of what sin can work out also in morality also. You can have the same, I'm, I'm going to be my God and be a moral person. I'll tell you in just a minute. The disposition, either in morality or immorality, but it has one basis. Both has one basis, and this is the very core of what's causing mankind to not have victory and power in this present life also. And that is this, our claim to our right to ourself. You ain't the boss of me, I'm the boss of me, in layman terminology. Remember, what you always say to us, this whole time, we've been talking about authority. We're talking about getting under authority, what authority is. We're talking about the husband and the wife. We're talking about uh, uh, what, what it, trans spouse, what do I call it? Trans spouse, spouse, trans, or you know, people being in the right place. You can't do that. I was, I, I was playing a song that I wrote called uh, get, uh, what's, what's, The Lord is My Sweet Dance Song. And, and so I started singing it the last few years with the Beatles song. Jojo, you know, Jojo was a man who thought he was a woman, but he was another man. I'm like, they had transgender back there. That style of music is what I, I didn't sing that, those words, of course. Well, here we are. We're talking about authority. We're talking about being a place. Who's an authority? I had no idea that Yahweh's going to take me down this path right here. Joel, Joel said, look, yes, there is no other authority. He, we said it. And if you don't represent that authority, you don't have authority. I don't care if you're the husband, the wife, or the king of England. And you always say, let me tell you, it really got, Johnny, it really comes down to one thing. Now, this may be simple, but to me, this has been a profound revelation for me. That I already know that he's Lord and all that. Yeah. But it kind of, it, it, it was just what they used to call that rhema word. It just came alive. Yahshua faced men all the time that were full of the forces of evil. I mean, mean and hateful. But he also had to deal with men who were clean living and moral and upright. The Pharisees. Just as filthy and wicked as the immoral people. Why? He didn't pay attention to their, the moral degradation of one or to the moral attainment of the other. He looked at something that we don't usually look at to see. And that is that self-realization that I am my own God. This is a good preaching, Johnny. <laughs> gum. I'm going to go home. Every Sunday I go home and listen to this. Now listen to this. What are we going to do about sin? Sin is something that you're born with. It's ugly. It's that, uh, that, it's that uh, authentic, ego, however you want to say it. We can say it with every psychological term, and I like to use them because sometimes there's people that think I might know more than I really do. Well, you know, the id of the odd, of the superego in uh, the land of Oz, in the, the uh, lollipop guild. Are you remember any guilds? Yeah, the lollipop guild. 
Sin is a thing that we are born with. And i got to tell you something. I can't touch it. I can't touch it. I can't defeat it. I cannot defeat sin. Oh, I'm telling you, I tried. I have tried to defeat it. I've warred against it. I've fasted against it. I did all that. I can't touch it. it, it sin it gets me by the nap of the neck. Am I in the right church? I said, am I in the right church? I got quiet. Then I realized God touched sin for me. God delivered me from the spirit of, the, of law and death. God dealt with it in the redemption with Yahshua on the cross. And he did it for the whole human race. Hello. How many ever heard this saying that he died for the sins of the whole world? How many heard that saying before? You know, there's a universalist. That's what they think. They think, well, see, there he died for the sins of the world. Therefore, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Because you died. he died for everybody. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten. They use it like that, but that's not what it, that means. I'll tell you why. The sin that I inherited from the first Adam has been dealt with and cleansed and washed away, and I am now reconciled back to God white as snow. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And I believe this today, that nowhere that I can see that God now holds a person responsible for inherited sin. And sometimes we try to fight sin from a doorway that's not even the right way. We're fighting something that the Bible says that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. Well, I sure don't feel like it. Your condemnation. So what is my condemnation from? If it's not from the law of sin and death, if it's not from the sin that I inherited, where is that? Con the, it's not, I'm not condemned because I was a son of Adam and, and, and inherited that sin, but I am condemned when I choose to be the Lord of my own life. The sin is you think you have the right to your own life. And if you want it, he'll give it to you. How does that work out for you? I don't want it. I don't want it. You will be as God's, he said. You did that tree? You're going to be as God's. What's that mean? I think it means you are going to think you're God. If you're going to eat of that tree, then obviously you don't think God's God. Because you have the audacity and the stupidity to do the opposite of God. Therefore, I'm smarter than God. I see people every day do things that they're smarter than God. That's what I should have titled this, Chris. I am smarter than God. That would have got that got some hits right there from I guarantee you. I'm shaking this morning. This thing is so real in me today. When I realized that Yahshua's life and death was to deliver me from it, and I refused to let him do so, it was from that moment that we will get the seal of damnation. Listen to this scripture. And this is the judgment, the critical moment. This is the judgment. Okay, what, what, this is the judgment. What do you think the judgment going to be? Well, I lie, smoke, chew, goes girls that do. I get this, I get that. This is the judgment. That the light is coming to the world and men love the darkness rather than the light. I don't know how that hits you this morning. That hits me sideways, bro. That hits me sideways, Joel. I mean, it slayed me. I was out, not, not literally. I was like, I'm just like, this is the judgment. The light came into the world, and the men love darkness rather than light. What, what does that mean? You want to be your own God. You want to choose your own path. Do it your way. Well, Frank Sinatra did it, and look at him. I hope I've made that clear, communicated to you, what I feel like Yahweh has said to me.
And I tell you, Wednesday nights, Joel comes and he breaks this stuff down. It, it, it even ministers to me when I hear it again. You know, listen to it at home. Do something and get this in you. So we've got to realize this. Look at me. You can't trust yourself when it comes to making life decisions. That's why God put authority in your life. Remember I said that the portion of the human personality which is experienced as the self or the I and is in contact with the external world through perception. This is another word God spoke to me. And I found out that it's something, it's, 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 a, it's a thing. I don't know if it's the thing that I believe it is. Maybe somebody else got a revelation of this and, and let, letting God speak to them that maybe they went off on their own thing. This is, what I, this is how God said it to me. That that ego, or we want to call it the, I don't want to, I don't want to split hairs. The authentic me, the ego, the, you know, what, however, the, all that stuff that we're talking about. That, that portion of our human personality that is experienced as the self or I and in, as, in what's in contact with the external world through perception, listen, this is what you always told me. It's always sin biased. I know what sin bias means, but I thought maybe, you know, I was like, man, I'm, I Google it, sin bias. What does that mean? I'm going to see that. But what I don't want to do is let the internet define what God's trying to say to me. You hear what I just said? You can, I can say, I can take a phrase here that God spoke to me, and I can go to the internet and, and, and get people's opinions of it and all that and miss what God's saying to me. I think I can hear from God. I said, I think I can hear from God. I don't need to Google everything. I, I know the scriptures. And I have the spirit of God. It's always. In other words, your perception of things is always sin biased. What is sin? It's you being God. Oh, I'm going to do this my way. Yeah, but God said this. No, I'm going to do it my way. It don't mean I made a decision today to lie. Or I did. And you, and you shouldn't lie. How many of you know that? It is a sin to lie. Lying, when you lie, you made a decision not to do it God's way, and you did it your way. Amen? Stealing, what's that? You made a decision to do it your way and not God's way. That, that's what all that is. He's God. You, you made yourself God. You can't trust in yourself to make right decisions. And the human understanding and our perception, once it has adopted an opinion, cognitive dissonance, will draw everything else to support your bad decision, your ungodly decision, and agree with it. So in other words, I'm going to make a decision, and it's going to be sin-biased, which means I'm going to tell God, I'm, you're not my God, I'm going to do it your way, I'm going to do this my way. Then that, what happens is once we do that and we adopt that opinion, guess what? It, it, it's going to draw everything else to only be things that support it. So then when you go to church and your apostle gets up and says something, and there is a reaction. That's why, the, that's why the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is t basically telling us that. Trust in Yahweh with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Y'all hearing how this is true, how it works? In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Why? Because you're too stupid to do it. I'm too stupid to do it the right way. I hope you're not offended. I'll use the word King James, we're, we're too brutish. Adam sin. What was it? An apple? A stupid apple? I think I don't. I think I don't think apples were on that tree. I don't know what was on that tree. I don't even think it was a tree, really. But it was a metaphor to to the fact of you're going to choose me as your God, or are you going to be your own God. All right. The only way we're going to know is test you. Here's the test. They failed. It wasn't no apple. It was 
It was that he and Eve refused to do what God said and do what they wanted that was contrary to what God required. It's that self-realization, not in the Google sense, but in the fact that they determined that they wanted to have the right to their own self. They wanted to be their own God. The fatal thought and idea that Adam and Eve was their own God. Now, I want to tell you one of the things that tripped this in me. I was just studying and meditating on Moses. Moses was a wonderful man. He was special. You hear what I said? Moses was special. He was the Yahshua of his time. Humble man. God, don't kill the people. Kill me instead. I haven't said that too many times. Huh? I said, I haven't said that to me. Oh, Lord, don't, don't you know, put, their, put the uh, penalty of their sin on me. Don't put it on them. I, had, I don't remember many times. Maybe I, I don't remember you ever saying it, to be honest with you. I'm no Moses. But Moses was a great, great man, and he knew God. And I don't even want to get into the burning bush and the tree and the bush and what that means and whatever. And what it means, I want to preach on the rod of God, the, the fiery bush that didn't get consumed, and the leper's hand one day. I've done it years ago, but I'll do it again. So they're in the wilderness. I mean, how many know how many years they were in the wilderness? They were in their last year. You hear me? In their last year. <laughs> oh, and the people were whining and complaining and all that. You know why they, you know what they were waiting for? They were waiting for all the unbelievers and the scoffers and those kind of people who thought they were their own God to die off because they weren't allowed to enter the promised land. And Moses, I guess, had it up to here. And instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He smote it with the rod of God. Again, in our society, what's the big deal? Are we going to take this one isolated incidence in Moses' life and forget everything in his past? No, but that, that one incidence and isolated incident in his life meant something and it had effect and it described where he was. Because he did it, he didn't get to go in the promised land. And as I was thinking about this and about Adam and that, that sin and what it was, the Bible says that the reason those things happened to Moses is because he failed to do what God said. And then I began to look at the whole Bible. Everything in the Bible is about failing or obeying what God said. Here's my word. Obey it. Do it. If you don't, that's sin. It's the very root and the very constitution and the disposition of what sin is really all about. I'm, in a little quick moment, this is what he said. I am my own God. And had the audacity, I think this is my opinion here, this part. I had the audacity to think, that he knew already what God was going to do. That's okay, God. I know, as God, what you're going to do. Boop! Wrong. That ain't what I was going to say, Moses. You are presumptuous. You assumed that you were me and you knew what I was going to do, and so you just took it in your own hands to do it. You're a fool. And I use that term not lightly because the Bible says, a fool it says in his heart, there is no God. I'm going to look at this. I can't help. Maybe it's just because it's so big in me right now. The whole Bible's about who's your God. If you're the God, you're God or your God is God. He assumed the role of God in his life, thinking he was somehow capable. This was Moses. Of course he would think that. But he was really just responding to his ego and the way that he was perceiving the external world at the time and the, his authentic self. First Corinthians says this. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the real you and the real me rejects as foolish anything that comes from the Spirit of God. It's foolish. You 
tell somebody, hey, you need to tithe and give offerings. That's foolish. You need to forgive that person. That's foolish. You need to turn the other cheek. That's foolish. When we only have our human senses and perceptions and reasons, reasonings, we will never be able to comprehend the spiritual truths of God's revelation about sin, salvation, and Yahshua's to his people. Terry, this is a special, special word for me. I can't, I can't explain it, but what it's done in my mind, in my heart. See, I, I think it's unreasonable for me to expect non-believers to process you know, spiritual things because they're going to dissect and interpret based out of you know, their hurts, their emotions, their deficits, all those things that, that internal, you know, the, uh, the authentic or the core person. The sin of being your own God blinds you to the truth because you don't know the truth. You just think you do based on your perceptions of eternal things or external things. I'm going to tell you a scripture here. We are not our own. You were bought with a price. Y'all hear me? When we make a decision with the carnal mind, it will always be tainted with a sinful bias. And it will always be rooted in some sort of selfishness every time. Always. I'm going to say that to you again. Listen. You make a decision with a carnal mind, it will always be tainted with sinful bias and rooted in some, of the, in some sort of selfishness. Always. Resulting from the authentic you that is nothing more than the parroted beliefs you are exposed to and you worshipped in your life. What do you mean worshipped? The beliefs that you have, what you want to be like and what you're trying to be like is worship. So you have parroted beliefs and you have these ideas and stuff and perceptions that you're worshiping. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. Instead of being conformed into the image of the Son of God and sons of God. What is another word for this? Double-mindedness, which always results in a person that's unstable. Listen to me. I've got a couple more minutes, maybe five more minutes. I want you to get, get with me, please. I want to get you once a week. It's always results, double-mindedness always results in an unstable person. What is that? I'm a Christian, but I'm going to be my God, and I'm going to do what I choose to do, how I choose to do it, when I do it, how I want to do it. Let me tell you about the instability of people like this. They're unreliable. They're sneaky. Sneak. They sneak. They lie. And they're really, 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 really dumb. They think they're hiding by projecting somebody that they want you to see. They'll blow smoke up your skirt. They'll... they'll say all kind of flattering things to you and they're too stupid to see that what they're doing that we understand and see what they're doing and who they really are they think they've got to pull the wool over our eyes or and all the other little stands about that and they're too stupid they think they're fooling us <laughs> we see you you're not kidding you're not fooling anybody they are negatively phototactic <laughs> phototactic is what bugs are that go toward the light. It's usually flying insects. They go toward the light. Flies, moths, mosquitoes, and more. But those ground-based bugs are often negativi ne negatively phototactic, which means this, they run away from any light. These are like cockroaches and scorpions and things like that. And while they're in their own deception, because they're deceived, they, they don't know it, they think they're deceiving you. You're an idiot. They think they're, they, that you don't see who they really are. 
Because they're deceived. They think we're as stupid as they are. Listen to me now. Don't get mad at me. But be careful not to tell them ever, ever, ever that you know the truth. Because once that light, I mean, because even if you love them anyhow, and even though they don't know that we know, we, we know that they're acting stupid and are lying, they're deceiving and all that and not being real. So what do we do? We just love them anyhow. We don't care. We love you. But once they find out that you know, once the light's turned on, they're gone. I have seen the most calm, sensible, warm, seemingly loving person once confronted with the truth get so mean. Anybody ever done that before? Anybody know those people? I'm talking about... I mean, they go stupid crazy. The problem with being gone is twofold. They separate themselves from the body, which means it prevents them from ever being under spiritual authority. And friends, my precious Ecclesians, sons and daughters in the Lord, that's what Yahweh's saying to us right now. That's what he's telling us. The authority of God. Are you living in illegitimate authority of our own? Are we not being honest with ourselves? You can't be. Can you take it when you were rebuked and corrected? Can you receive the truth in love? Because correction is love. If you can't, you're doomed to be your own God. And you'll be on your own. And I'll tell you what that'll do. That'll wear you out. This morning, God bless y'all. This morning... I want to tell you, I am praying for you. 